your boy King Known Uncensored The Giant Slide <laughs> Now I normally don't talk about shit like this but since this is going on in my city you know I, I had I had to get I had to get in on this man The Giant Slide reopened a couple of days ago and it closed again <laughs> because little kids were just flying like I was like, damn, is this a slide or a roller coaster, my nigga? <laughs> Yo, I saw one kid fly so high. I remember the last time I was on that giant slide, bro. I flew so high in the fucking air and I came down on my back. That shit hurt. I needed a backy out of me out in that motherfucker. That shit hurt it. But grand opening, grand closing. You know, they had to adjust the slide because I remember back in the day with the giant slide and shit, right? It was a lot, you know, it was like a real slide. It was smooth. You know what I'm saying? Motherfuckers was not going in the air like that. Them motherfuckers looked like they was pole vaulting out that bitch. They look like they were jumping. They, they look like they were skydiving instead of being on a regular ass slide. Because, you know, that ain't the slide that I remembered. I remember, you know, being smaller and going down. It was it was it was smooth. Not this slide. Motherfuckers was jump go on the second little bump, jumping all the way down to the final bump. It's like five or six of those goddamn bumps on that slide. Motherfucker jump from the second all the way to the goddamn ground. But a part of it is also a lot of these new kids don't know how to ride the slide. Either. Yo, man, it's crazy that we used to ride that, that same slide backwards, bro. We were some wild ass niggas, man. A lot of them didn't know how to ride the slide. So that's why a lot of them was like coming down like that.
Man, that shit was funny as fuck. That's all I, I, I can tell y'all, man. When we made the House of Highlights, bro, we made it. That's all I can really tell you is that, nigga, we made it. Like, we were making national news and shit. Everyone been talking about it. This shit was just hilarious to me. Yeah, a lot of people saying uh, these these new kids is soft. That's why the, the shit got closed. Because we used to lead a slide with bumps and bruises. I mean, that's partially factual. Not going to lie. Yeah, they not built like us, man. They not built like us. But anyway, moving on. Jamal Crawford held his uh, pro pro am event, but it was shut down due to condensation on the court. Like. Because, you know, there was a lot of hype going into this. You know, LeBron James was, um, and Jason Tatum was there. Paolo Banchero, DeJounte Murray. And people was waiting outside at like 1 a.m. So that they could be the first motherfuckers in the building. Because I don't know if this event was free or not. But I think it's normally free. And the event was held in Seattle because a lot of, you know, um, I think DeJounte Murray said this. Like, a lot of kids can't afford to go to the games. So, when there's a a free event going on where they want to see these guys play, it's a big opportunity. There was a lot of former NBA players and a lot of current NBA players out there. And and a bunch of young cats was playing. You know, the rookies, Paolo, Chet, Tari Eason, Marjan Bochamp was there. And Jamal Murray uh, called it, I mean, not Jamal Murray, Jamal Crawford called it (laughs) the, the crossover. That's the name of it, because his nickname is Crossover. I mean, obviously, if you watch Jamal Crawford play, that was his that was his main thing. You know, that's the main part of his game. Was his ball handling. Yeah, they only played one half. So we can't joke about statistics. But that was unfortunate, though. Those kids was waiting. Like y'all couldn't, ha- y'all couldn't uh, fix that problem. Y'all really had to shut that event down, man. If they should have rioted, I'm not gonna lie, y'all. <laughs> like I understand it was free. I get it. But come on, man. 
So, the game. Oh boy, this nigga continuously makes bad headlines. The numbers are finally in. Despite many sales projections trending the wrong way, game ended up selling more than we thought he he would. He ended up debuting in the top 10, selling uh, 24,000 uh, copies. Yes, you could say that um, it's bad, but um, you could you could say that this was a lot more successful than we thought, or you could say it's still bad despite everything that he did. Because you have to factor this in. This man has a song on the album dissing Dr. Dre, Eminem, and 50 Cent on here. It's executive produced by Hit Boy. He had some of the hottest artists in the game on the album of the last 10 years. Then he had production from big producers. Then he had like a Nipsey feature, an NBA feature, like, and and the album still didn't sell, but twenty four thousand. I thought the nigga was gonna sell forty k. I'm not gonna lie. And I don't want to hear that independent excuse. It was just the hype, and, and then Game was saying this is the album of the year, when it's clearly not. It was not the album of the year. It's not the album of the year. It's a good album. It's a decent album. But it's not album of the year worthy. Then Black Sam blocked the Nipsey feature from Drillmatic, which is understandable because Wack 100, his manager, had some distasteful things to say about Nipsey back in a, a, a couple of a few a few months back. NBA Youngboy feature, he had to take that off the album because he couldn't afford the feature. This is so much ammo for an Eminem disc record, it's ridiculous. And Eminem and um, Eminem hasn't even dissed this guy yet. And meanwhile, game is just taking L after L after L after L. And this is not from a fanboy perspective because I liked um, Drillmatic. I don't hate Drillmatic or the game. I'm a fan of game. 
And even Hit Boy was like, nigga, I ain't got nothing to do with this Eminem shit. Y'all good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Moving on. The Jazz still want no less than five picks for Donovan Mitchell and don't want to take Julius Randle. However, they want R.J. Barrett. I'm like, Utah got nerve. Danny Ainge got nerve. Like, you just didn't finesse Minnesota a month ago for Gobert. Like, y'all niggas is wildin'. Five picks? Dog. Michael Jordan is not worth five first-round picks, dude. If I'm New York, I would just stop talking, okay? Don't don't negotiate with Utah. Just stop. Stop negotiating with the Utah Jazz. Because you're going to end up fucking yourself. And then the Knicks is going to be set back again. Like, even if Donovan Mitchell went over there, you have no future because you're going to give it up in that deal. Like, you're not going to be able to keep your young players, and then they're going to take five of your picks. You sure you want that for just Donovan Mitchell? Who, in my opinion, I don't think he's a superstar. I think he's an all-star, but he's not a superstar. And then what you gonna run? I mean, all them all them niggas is short in New York. Like you gonna have Barrett who's 6'4, Mitchell who's 6'4, and Jalen Brunson who's like what? 6'2? So I don't know what the fuck New York is running. So New York has to think before they make this decision or negotiate even. Now, Shaquille O'Neal, I mean, Shaq's been saying this for the last five years, four or five years. He's been very consistent with this statement for the longest. Shaquille O'Neal says that Stephen Curry is the best player on the planet. And he said that he's been the best player in the league the last four or five years. But I think right now, I think Steph is. <laughs> hate to give, give, give it all away. I hate to give it away. But Shaq got a point. I mean, he did go through the playoffs. He beat everybody that was put in front of him. And he won the title without, like, a second superstar. He won a title without somebody on his level on the same team with him. Because we don't consider, like, Clay and Wiggins on Steph level as far as superstardom. We consider Kevin Durant on the same level as him. But this is the second time that Curry has done this. And this was a very good team. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I like this team. But I'm not putting this uh, 
2022 Warriors team in the greatest teams ever assembled to win a title. So the credit got to go to Steph Curry. You know, Andrew Wiggins stepped up when Draymond Green was pedestrian offensively. Jordan Poole played well off the bench for them. Otto Porter had some good moments. But is Andrew Wiggins a top 10, top 15 player in the league? I don't think so. Concentrate the job. Don't disturb the doctor. But is Wiggins an all-star? He finally proved it in the playoffs. I think he is an all-star after how he played in the finals. Because I've been getting on his ass all year. You want to know why? It was because that that has always been in him. But unfortunately, you know, he just couldn't do that as a number one player, which is completely fine. A lot of players don't hit their stride until later on in their career. But I also feel like when he was on the Timberwolves, I felt like he could have done better. And most of that shit was hype that got me to that because they were hyping this man up like this dude was like a top 10, top 15 player in the league. When he came out of... uh, out of Kansas but however he proved himself on the big stage so I think that Stephen Curry is definitely the best player in the league because like I said his team won the championship he was the finals MVP he was the best player in the playoffs between him and Giannis, of course, but I'm taking Steph because he won. Um, more slaughterhouse drama. Um, Joel Ortiz and Crooked Eye announced a new album coming out in September. You know, they had an album released in March called The Rise and Fall of the Slaughterhouse which detailed their versions of what happened with the group. Which sparked a lot of controversy amongst the other two members in Royce and Joe. And they announced a new album called Harbor City Season 1. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, um, I'm excited about it. I want to hear it. I mean, these are two guys that I respect in hip-hop. As lyricist, them two niggas is nice. The Rise and Fall of Slaughterhouse was a good was a good album to me. One of the better albums of 2022. So Harbor City Season One is something definitely that I'm willing to check out. Now, Royce the Five Nine ended up going on the Breakfast Club and Math Hoffa's um, platform. And decided to give his thoughts on what happened with Slaughterhouse. And every time I hear Royce do an interview, 
it's kind of like different stories. His story hasn't been that consistent to me because it's always something different. Joel and Crooked's story and Joel's story was more consistent than Royce's. You know, but I do believe Royce when he said that he didn't want to do it without Joe, which is respectable, which is real nigga shit. I respect that. No, Slaughterhouse is the four of us. I'm not doing a three-man album. Because initially, they were going to stay on Shady and do it. But Joe burned too many bridges at the company. So, that's why they presented that idea. Then, Joe Button made a proposal saying, hey, you know, I'll do a Slaughterhouse album if it's not on Shady. Those guys got released off of Shady, conference calls, and all this other stuff. Then, you know, Royce is on there talking about a person that he's done business with. Even that goes as far as back as recent as the allegory. So, Royce and Joe feel like the deal that Crooked brought to the table that included ownership, that included... Yeah, pretty much ownership of their brand. And they said that it wasn't good enough. And it was a seven-figure deal, allegedly. And the crazy part about this story is, you know, Royce was saying that you know, the guy that they were doing business with was shady. And then Royce also went on the show and said that Crooked and Joel have made more money in Slaughterhouse than they've done on their own, which I think is false. I think Royce said that to piss them off because, you know, Royce can be petty. And I, I, I like, I, you know, that's a that's a I, <laughs> that's one of the traits I like about Royce. He's just like hella petty. And it's funny as hell. Honestly, I don't like the path that those guys have taken. Now it's division. But I did like the uh, the little shot that Joel threw at Royce, though. That nigga said, yeah, man, y'all talked about us. And our numbers when we sold 8,000 the first week. But I seen those heaven experience numbers. They look like hell. <laughs> that was funny to me. But to be honest with y'all, these niggas is going to diss each other on the record, bro. It's only a matter of time. And the crazy part is, Royce, I mean... They did give Joe Button credit for not saying anything about them. And, you know, they ran into each other and talked about it. You know, Crooked Royce and Joel had a discussion in person. And they seem to have squashed their issues. But now this is a whole different issue with Royce. And Crook and Joel feel like 
Royce and Joe have felt like they were beneath them this whole time. And I could see that. You know, since Joe and, and, and Royce have been more popular popular and had better connections and, you know, have been more success, successful commercially. But I don't think Crook and Joel are jealous, though. They don't have nothing to be jealous of. They were considered equals of some sort. Like, I don't see how, and then I don't see how Slaughterhouse's bag that split four ways was more than Crook and Joel as solo artists. I'm sure they've made a shit ton of money independently with their projects. They release projects all the time. You know, me personally, Crooked's music is okay. Joel's music, not necessarily a fan of solo music, but definitely a fan of Joel's verses. But not necessarily of him as a solo artist. I'm a fan of Royce. I like Joe Button's music. But honestly, this this gonna have to be uh they gonna have to start dissing, bro, because Joel even said that I'm I'm not above a diss record. If y'all wanna spar, let's go. I haven't checked out the Heaven Experience new songs yet because it's supposed to be five songs and um five new songs and greatest hits. I haven't checked that the new songs out yet. But um, we got top 50 NBA players coming soon. It's going to be this week. I promise y'all. You know, I've been working on it for a while. I just have to make last minute changes. And then we had an album release on Friday. Just when you thought there was going to be none, there was one. And that was Tink. Tink released a new project with Hitmaker called Pillow Talk. And I'm going to give my review on the project. You know, all this R&B is dead talk, save it. Now, it's dead as far as like, I don't know, the essence. The essence of it, the essence of R&B doesn't have the same impact as it did 20 years ago. I can say that. But. There are some artists out there that are still doing R&B, but it just doesn't hit the same. That's I think that's what Puffy is what, was trying to get off when he said R&B is dead because Tink is one of those people that does R&B music. You know, I like I mean I like some of Summer Walker shit. Janae Aiko's dope. Jasmine Sullivan's dope. You know, the females have really been killing the R&B game. It's the fellas, man. I mean, all we got is really Chris Brown. I mean, Bryson Tiller is touch and go. Brent Fires just did what, 120,000? Even though I'm not a fan of his, we gotta we gotta stick to the facts. Chris Brown's still out there. Lucky Day just put out a very good good album. Do you consider what Khalid does R&B though? 
I don't know if he's R&B or pop. You know, Puff did say that um, R&B died when Adele and Justin Timberlake started doing R&B. And there is some truth to that. When we started considering pop artists as R&B artists, that killed traditional R&B. And I could understand Puffy's statement. It's kind of like when Nas said hip-hop was dead because it was commercialized and all they were doing was talking about dancing and not the essence of hip-hop. So I completely understood. And Nas wasn't even dissing the South when he said that. And then, you know, Auto-Tune was also out there when Nas made that statement. But, but let's get back to Tink, though. Going bad. That was a strong intro. It's just basically her saying that the actions of men have caused her to go bad as a human being. Because of their actions. Switch is dope. I love the sound of Switch. It's pretty much uh, like a continuation of going bad. You know what I'm saying? Opposite, not necessarily the biggest fan of this song, but it's not a bad song at all. Now, Goofy, my goodness. Rico Love and Tink Man uh, writing this song together, it was incredible. And, you know, this is a song about a chick being digmatized. That's pretty much what this song is, is really about. A girl being digmatized and being taken advantage of by sex. Cater. Man, listen. Tink and 2 Chains basically took the uh, Destiny's Child Cater to You beat and, they're put, and they put their own flip on it. I love it. It's incredible, man. 2 Chains is spitting on this motherfucker. Throwback is basically, um, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't want to do this to Tink, but I got to be honest. Uh, Seventh Streeter, um, I think it was um, Dej Loaf. And it was another, I think it was Dream. If I'm not mistaken, what song was that? God damn it, let me look it up. Because there was a song... That 7th Streeter made that was similar to this. But I don't think that Tink stole her idea, though. I think it's just a coincidence. But you know me, guys. I don't like recycled concepts. Yeah, because 7th Streeter and, and, and Dej Loaf got a track like this. old school it was jeremiah jeremiah was the other person on the song yeah it, the song was called old school and that's what throwback reminds me of but i think the song is great though it doesn't sound like you know this was um stolen it sounds authentic i'm just saying that seven streeter had a similar song and it doesn't sound recycled. Now, mine featuring Mooney Long. Bruh. These two recreated The Boy Is Mine. An updated 2022 version 
of the boy is mine. It's not bad. Is it incredible? No. Is it better than the original? No. But I can listen to it and not skip it. Let's just say that. And 25 Reasons Interlude. That sounds like a remix to, to come, come, come get it. That was on her last uh, project. But I enjoyed the interlude. I wish this was a full song. I'm not going to lie, y'all. I wish this was a fully. Come see me. Um, This is a pretty decent song. I don't think Tussie's mid-ass verse did anything to damage the song. I think Come See Me, you know, Tink is being super flirtatious and being very open sexually. Ooh, trifling with Fabulous. This is Fabulous's lane. This is Fabulous's bag with the la- the girl songs. You know what I'm saying? It's Fab in his bag. And, and Hitmaker produced the shit out of this. I love this song. Balance. This was pretty good. I'm not mad at it. But Drunk Texting with Layton Green. This was a this was a recycled idea because, you know, Chris Brown and Janae Aiko had already done this. And I just didn't like the song. I think it's my least favorite record on here. Well, actually, I I take that back. It's my second least favorite record. It just doesn't sound authentic to me. It sounds like a recycled concept. News with Tink and Russ. This actually worked out. You know, Russ has always been corny. And he does give a little bit of those corny vibes on this song. But I like the song, though. I think it should be a hit record, to be completely honest with y'all. It's got hit record potential. Um, Ghetto Love with G Herbo. This is my least favorite song. I hate this song. I did not like it at all. This is the song, this is the only song on this record that I can say that I hate it. Because G Herbo flow was horrible. His bars was horrible. And Tink didn't make it any better. Come in to fire. Very gr- dope ass song. Yeah, Tink got some sexy songs, man. Some of the best. Some of the best sex sexual songs. I choose me is self-explanatory. It's just how it's just basically like I don't I'd rather be by myself than be in a toxic situation. And at the end of the day, I'm going to choose myself 10 times out of 10. Overall, Pillow Talk is dope. Is it better than uh, Heat of the Moment? No. But that's okay. This is on par with all of her other projects. You know, A minus. You know what I'm saying? Tink does A minus, B plus work. It's on the same level as Hopeless Romantic. Like, I enjoy all of Tink's projects. But I'm gonna get the fuck up out of here. This is Keen Known Uncensored, The Giant Slide, and I'm gone.